Welcome to The Rot Focus, a podcast for rotters, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Rotters Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Last week, we began our look at the process method I call Plot 7. This week, we finished the Plot 7 and our whole series on discovering plot. Coming for February is a look at writer's block and how to overcome it. The plot seven is wonderful for sparking ideas for a new novel or novella. It's too deep for a short story. The plot seven are the seven most important scenes for a novel or story. We've covered the beginning, the very end, and the roughest moment are the ordeal in the last episode. This episode covers the last four scenes that we'll write, and these are the hardest four. By the time we finish these scenes, we'll have a great start on our novel or novella. The between scenes and sequels will remain to be written, but we know our direction, and the whole process of drafting the novel will flow easily. For pantsters like me, that's always a boon. We remain working out of order for these four. When I've had a disruption in my writing, I need sparks like this to start me up again. The plot seven is not my usual writing process or method. I'm a chronological pantster, skipping nothing, start to finish. But a three-week disruption needs drastic measures, and the plot seven does that. It also works well when I've written five short stories, which is a different writing mindset to writing novels. The plot seven stretches out the story brain, which we made compact for short stories. The best method that I've found for short stories is Lester Dent's plot formula, which breaks the story into four stages, each with a twist. I analyzed these four stages in a short series back in 2022. Find the link to the first episode of those in the show notes. When writing these scenes, don't stop for research, but do add in descriptive character and setting tags as you think of them. When you discover earlier written details need changing, just make a sticky note and keep writing where you are. I wouldn't write what I call gobbledygook, like place a battle scene here. Our deep kiss goes here. Write it. You can always change it later. Here we go. Our fourth scene in the plot seven is plot four, antagonist early triumph over the protagonist. The antagonist has seemingly won, either in preventing the protagonist from achieving the dear desire are in simply blocking the protagonist from a major step on that journey to achieve it. What occurred? How does the protagonist react? How does the antagonist? Do they gloat? Are they fearful 
yet still greedy for gaining a step ahead? Where will each go from here? This is an early test for our focus character. It could even be crossing the first threshold in archetypal story pattern. Remember those three types of death? Physical, professional, personal? Use one of them. Surprise your protagonist and your reader by creating high stakes in this conflict between the protagonist and antagonist. The defeat should matter. Write that defeat and make it hurt. Remember, the original dear desire is gone, ruined. Now the antagonist has ruined something else. With this scene and the ordeal, which is plot three, we have two of the three major traumatic scenes of conflict. Plot five is the third major conflict scene against the antagonist. It's the final battle. In archetypal story pattern, the resurrection is the ultimate all or nothing conflict scene. This is not the ending, which is plot two. This is the moment the protagonist takes the antagonist down. Fist pump! The resurrection is the payoff for the reader. The conflict escalated to its highest point, and the antagonist's defeat needs to be complete and satisfyingly real. As we earlier discussed, we have physical, professional, and personal defeats. Here we have triumphs, victories, physical, professional, and personal victories. Should you combine two of these, your reader will be extra satisfied. I discussed twisting the Hans and Gretel trope in the last episode. Let's do that again. In Hansel and Gretel, the Wicked Witch is tossed in the oven a physical defeat. Our twist was the archaeologist's granddaughter, who discovered her grandmother had hidden artifacts that disproved her theory. The granddaughter restores the artifacts, risking her grandmother's reputation. She finds documents where her grandmother did a reassessment. Suppressed by the university dean, her grandmother comes out of retirement to announce the suppression and the changed theory, winning the hope of a grant from an indigenous tribe to examine more artifacts and lead a new dig. This is a professional victory. Let's have Gretel fall in love with Hansel, who had caused the re-examination, and makes it possible. That's a personal victory. It's a little rough, what I have here. But the bones are there, and remember, the plot seven is the skeleton of your novel. Questions to consider for plot five, the final battle and the resurrection? What sets up the final encounter between the protagonist and the antagonist? How is this the ultimate encounter? Set the stakes high. This is the defeat of the representative of evil by the representative of honor. Life and death whether the death is bloody and absolute cessation of life or merely the complete loss of reputation and standing, the death struggle will be the ending of all conflict between the protagonist and the antagonist. What special skill or learning will the protagonist have that allows her or him to defeat the antagonist? Make a note of where that skill or learning will be acquired during the course of the story. Make another note of proving the protagonist has learned the skill, even if that skill is shakily performed. What will the protagonist and the antagonist do at the end of the final battle? We're on to 
the final two major scenes, two planned ironies. Time to ensure major surprises for the reader. Plot six is an early twist. In the archetypal story pattern, this will be one of the tests that clarify who is an ally and who is an enemy. The protagonist will expect a situation or event or person that will not occur. Think about the first Jurassic Park movie. Our focal characters keep expecting to see a dinosaur. First, their expectations are disappointed. No dinosaur, even when tempted. Second, they encounter the sick Triceratops. Their expectation is again disappointed. Third, they finally have the encounter they expected, but it has unintended consequences. Their consequences are life-threatening, but Jurassic Park is a thriller. We don't have to have life and death consequences. Because this is an early scene, the conflict is not high stakes, still crucial, but not lethal. Will your protagonist form a plan and fail, or will they succeed? Remember, novels are filled with try-fail cycles. This early twist is a great opportunity for a try-fail. Failure is expected by readers, however. We need to surprise the reader, not with an unexpected failure or success. Instead, surprise the reader with an unexpected take on the failure. Make the tie-in to the main conflict unexpected, or introduce a new character whose entrance into the story gives an unexpected insight on the main conflict, or maybe reveals an unexpected weakness in the antagonist. The failure increases the tension while also offering hope. Things to consider for this early twist, where the protagonist has expectations, but they'll not occur. We're working with early irony here. The protagonist needs to expect an event that will be helpful to her or him. What is the expectation that the protagonist wants to exult over? What or who will prevent this early event from occurring? While we answer the same questions as the antagonist's early triumph, this event will be a completely different scenario. If you already have other twists in mind, go ahead and write that instead. We've reached plot seven and the most difficult scene to write, the seeming allies betrayal. Betrayal is one of those things that hits everyone in the gut. This is another scenario presenting irony, usually occurring before the protagonist's greatest stress point and often setting it up or occurring before the final battle. This could be the approach to the inmost cave or it could be the road back. The purpose of the seeming allies' betrayal is to show the protagonist's ability to keep pursuing the dear desire, even in the face of betrayal. Study the meaning of the word betrayal. It is not disloyalty or broken promises or simple infidelity or unfaithfulness. It is treachery. It is as deep as a heart stabbed from behind when the protagonist expected a hug. Of the seven, this may be the most important scene. Don't skimp on it. First, we have to determine who the seeming ally is. We need to discover this seeming ally as a friend or ally in the story. Are they working for the antagonist or just a bad actor, malevolent on their own? 
Why are they malevolent to our protagonist, whether a minion of the antagonist are working alone? Once we know this background to the seeming ally, we can decide how they would betray our protagonist. Will they reveal an important secret that undermines the protagonist? Will they stab the protagonist in the back metaphorically or literally? Will they move to acquire the protagonist's desire for themselves? The revelation that this ally is no ally is the surprise for the reader. The betrayal itself increases the angst and impact of the revelation. By now, we understand that these plot seven scenes are the hardest part of the novel's draft. Once we know the events and characters in these seven scenes, we know the shape of our novel and the difficult thinking for the story is complete. Our job now is to write the scenes leading to and away from these seven. We know our necessary characters and we can plan when and how we are going to introduce them. We also know places we need for our story world. At this point, my brain is fried by all the thinking I've done, but I'm also excited to write the whole thing. I usually take two or three days to work out my character and setting descriptions. I might tinker with changes to these scenes, changes that developed as I finished out the plot seven. Two or three days to write the plot seven, a day or two on descriptions, Another day to fix changes and plan the next scenes that need to be written, and I'm set to go. Sometimes I start from the beginning and rewrite these seven scenes as I encounter them in the chronological draft. Sometimes I write the necessary scenes to and from these seven and gradually fill in with other scenes. Sometimes I do this, and sometimes I don't. And this has happened once. I lost interest in the story. I set the plot seven aside and came back to it several months later. I reminded myself of the plot seven, then launched into the novel start to end. One thing that I've learned with all the words that I've written, more than 50 fiction titles at this point, here it is. Every story is different. Every process and approach to story is different. Every middle of the story is different and every ending of the story is different. I just have to remain flexible and adaptable. But hey, we're creatives. Accepting change is what we do. We've finished our long series on discovering plot. I hope you've discovered insights that improved your own writing. What do writers want to know about plot? What do writers need to know about plot. The right focus is taking a comprehensive view of plot, the structure that develops characters, genre expectations, major story structures, pacing, tension, suspense. We cover it all in this series entitled Discovering Your Plot from M.A. Lee's Godbook of the Same Name. Writers will discover unexpected insights and methods that deepen their understanding of this major craft in the storytelling world. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, 
process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at winkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.